This is Enter VR, the podcast on all things virtual reality. I'm Chris Miranda, your host, and today I'm speaking with James Blaha and Manish Gupta. Dude, you guys uh, are back, and thank you for doing it again. This is going to be awesome. Yeah, thanks for having us back on the show. Yeah, excited to do this. Uh, so am I. I'm, I am, actually, very excited because I want to catch up with you guys. What's uh, What's been going on with Apollo VR and the Diplopia project? Um, well, the study at UCSF, um, the pilot study has started. Um, we're still looking for... Uh, people in the Bay Area who would be interested in being part of the study. It's um, kind of rolling enrollment. Um, so if there's anyone um, interested, just contact us. Yeah. And how about, like, let me ask you this, and, I, and feel free to, like, not disclose if you can't, but I wonder how many people do you need? Like, what is the number of people that you need to say, all right, this is a good amount like, or this is a good enough amount to come out and say, like, yes, these are results that can conclusively say that we are really helping treat uh, lazy eye with virtual reality. I think there's no one number of people um, that you can say, you know, 10 is enough, but 9 is not enough. I think the more people you have, the more questions you can answer and in greater detail. So with, you know, 10 people it's easy to say something like, you know, we're sure this improves uh, people's vision on average, right? If you have 100 people, then we could say things like, uh, you know, maybe it helps up until this age or it helps this much at this age and decreases a little bit as you get older, but it's still effective up into a certain age. Um, questions like that require bigger populations to compare against. Mm -hmm. And so it really depends on which question specifically you want answered. You know, the more specific it is, the more people yeah. you need. Yeah, if you have a homogeneous population in your in your subjects, then you can more likely answer specific questions for that one group. But if your group is made out of many different um, ages and you know types of uh, lazy eye or mm. um, strabismus, then it's it's more difficult. We we need a lot more people. What is the again? Feel free to not disclose it if you can't. But what is the most pertinent question that you guys are trying to answer with the study? We really want to understand, in general, um, how the brain responds to input, visual input that you give it over time, and visual and audio. I think audio is going to be a big part important part of, of um, what we're doing, not just what we're doing, but with a lot of um, any kind of treatment or even experience for VR. Um, we, we just want to be able to understand what sets of stimulus improve uh, cognitive performance, whether it's, you know, vision or 
probably later on other things uh, we'll be interested in as well. And, you know, if this this general question of how much can we improve the performance of the brain if we really know what's going on, I guess, um, in kind of non-invasive ways. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a, a largely unanswered question right now. And so just kind of generally exploring that is one of the things we really want to do. Yeah, and you guys are prodding into this unknown um, from an angle that I would have never seen coming. I mean, for for those who uh, who are listening who might not know who uh, what James and, and Manisha are working on is they're using VR to treat lazy eye and strabismus, right? And what like um, th like the lack of 3D vision. Um, that's crazy that you're using a display technology to change the brain like like physically like it, it there's an actual physical uh stimulation happening or a physical response right is that what's happening like that when people are after going through the protocol like their their muscle strength strength strengthens up like I think it's primarily a perceptual thing. I would I would liken it more to learning than to like weight training. Um, mm. But okay. you know if if you can learn how to use because in people with lazy eye, there's usually not physically much wrong with the eye. So it's it's that their brain has learned early on to ignore it for the most part, and uh, um, and just you know, basically ignore it and um, not pay attention to otherwise good input. And once you can get past the point where um, they're starting to use it, you know, you'll get physical effects like a strengthened eye muscle because they're using their eye again all the time. Um, but it's mostly, most of what we're doing is training people um, how to use an eye that they're, they have access to, but just don't, don't use. Wow. Yeah, kind of like, uh, kind of like whacking the TV, trying to get it to turn on, get the brain registering that eye, and then the brain will eventually do the rest. Once it starts using that eye, it'll, it'll just start creating those neural connections that weren't made um, early in life. Well, yeah, I am immensely fascinated about the brain and how much um, we don't know. Like, let's say the let's say the best case scenario happens with these studies and you know the, you first of all like tell me what is the best best case scenario but after that like what happens next where will you guys be headed um so after after the study the first thing is um you know i, I guess ideally we'd see um uh, you know we're, we're expecting to see pretty good improvements in best corrected visual acuity so um, in the office when you get corrected for your vision, um, how good the vision is after you have your glasses on. So we're expecting to see improvements in, in basically how well you can see with that eye glasses or no. Um, and then the secondary measure that we're kind of um, expecting to see improvements in is stereo vision, uh, stereo acuity. Mm -hmm. So the ability to see depth. Um, and and you know, we're, we're definitely at a point where we've seen some, you know, in, in, promising initial results with people using it, um, and not in controlled conditions. 
Um, and so we don't really have an idea of um, exactly who it'll work for um, and under what circumstances. And so that, that's really one of the things we're going to take away from this is to have to be able to say, say with more certainty, yes, this will help this person, but it might not help this person. Hmm. Yeah, that's uh yeah, again, I'm just fascinated with 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 what you guys are doing and I want to know more about the journey of how you've you've gotten to where you are like um how how hard or difficult has it been to, to get people to pay attention or to see the potential of what you guys are creating like what are the um, what has been the response overall when you go to present these to VCs or just the general public? Um, the response from pretty much everyone has been amazing. I mean, we weren't expecting it, to be honest. Um, when, when I first started it, you know, I was just planning on $2,000 campaign, get a Unity license, and, you know, just make a really simple, really short, small experience that would, like, work. You know, um, but then we had such a huge response from the campaign that we weren't expecting and got some interest, um, good response from investors out here in Silicon Valley. And, um, you know, I think now now our goals are much, uh, much bigger in scope. And so I think there's a lot of opportunity in this area, um, not only in vision, but, you know, in all, all kinds of, um, you know, medical problems. Um, in VR and using really good VR and audio um, to kind of help train people um, to do to do new things. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, can you guys tell me more about the name Apollo Apollo VR? Like, where did that come from? How did that come about? So uh, we knew we were going to be doing stuff in virtual reality, and. Um, Diplopia, uh, our first um, product, our software, um, dealt with health. Uh, so um, I think we looked up the, uh, who was the Greek god of health. It's Greek. Right? Yeah. Greek and god. it was Apollo. So Apollo VR. That's how that came about. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I like yeah. that. We had to pick a name. The deadline yeah. was drawing close. Yeah. So. Yep. That was when we um, were. <laughs> going to the leaf accelerator so that was when i joined the project and um yeah we had to fill in the paperwork to get like an actual company formed so it was like over an hour i think we were thinking of names yeah that's <laughs> that a good name the, the winner it sticks apollo yeah are you so meaning the greek god of health um are you guys by choosing this are you also saying that you're trying to and i'm sure james kind of said this already but like are you trying to tackle other um health issues with virtual reality um or is it just are you just focusing on lazy eye and um i think it's something we picked because we definitely didn't want to limit ourselves to um just one small area. I think in general, we're interested in the medical uses of this new breed of technology, um, the possible, you know, beneficial uses, um, you know, maybe, maybe physically, but probably mostly cognitively. And so what do you think you'll turn this business into to 
to five years from now, what, what will it look like? What do you think? What, what is the vision? If, if Yeah, we'd like to see, um, you know, we'd like to expand and obviously keep working with new technology. I mean, in, in five years, I think the cutting edge VR technology or even further, the cutting edge perceptual technology, things that help you perceive uh, virtual worlds or virtual experiences. It's going to be so much farther ahead than today that we're going to have a hard time trying to plan for it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think part of what you have to do is, you know, consider just constantly keeping up to date with whatever's happening and trying things out all the time um, and just kind of have an active development process where you're always testing out new technology because it's super non-obvious when it's good enough for what jobs mm -hmm. um, and what like especially because when you have to factor in like price point like and what will people pay for how good it is at this time you know uh, I think that was the problem of VR 20 years ago 15 years ago mm -hmm. was that you know the technology existed to have some pretty pretty good experiences, but people weren't willing to pay for that level of experience, that price. And the price was just huge back then. And so now the experiences are better, the prices are way down. And so the question is, are we at that point where people are willing to pay, you know, whatever it's going to cost seems like 500 plus dollars to experience VR. There and there and VR is competing against um, the current, if we're talking about the gaming industry in the gaming paradigm the current consoles are 399 for the ps4 329 for the xbox one or something like that and um yeah i i think i think people will have to justify the experience once they try it out like i can't imagine someone ever you know buying a you know getting a, a vr setup without having tried vr first yeah but it should be easy to find someone uh someone to get a demo from uh, easier and easier especially yeah. once the consumer version goes on sale there's going to yeah. be you know in we're always in coffee shops working on it people come up hey yeah. is that the rift can i try the rift <laughs> last time i was in michigan um <laughs> last time i went back home to michigan i was working at a coffee shop and just a line would always form up of people trying it out. Everyone's heard of it, but no one gets a chance to try it because they don't yeah. know very yeah, much. Yeah, here more it. people have tried it. Yeah. Like back in, in Michigan, Francisco, everyone's heard of it, but no one's tried it. So, yeah. Yeah, I've, um, I have one uh, a similar story. I was walking down the street on Market and um, some some random some random kid came up to me like, is that the, is that the Oculus Rift? And I'm like, yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, he's like, dude. What is it with San Francisco people? They're, they're walking around with rift and drones. And he's, having a, he's having quite a day. Um, but uh, yeah, I want to know about your, you know, at people who are building something, what has been the most difficult part? Like building the technical aspects of it, the, the, so the hardware, like the software, or is it navigating the relationships, the more business community following aspects? What's the... You know, how do you balance those out and what's the most challenging thing about them? Um, well, I work mostly on the technical side of things. So, um, yeah, things changing in the SDK um, when working with Oculus, that's been that's been something to work around and, you know, has delayed some some updates that that we've been meaning to push, but um, not too badly. Yeah, Oculus has been moving a bit slowly. 
um, ever since the, the acquisition, it seems like. Um, but maybe it's, you know, I, I would rather them go slowly and have a really great product yeah. than rush it, rush something out too early that, you know, isn't going to make people happy. So I understand where they're coming from. It's just be nicer to have, you know, to be farther by now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, well, that's a, that's a good point. The one thing that I think, you know, I don't know if you guys saw a Reddit post a while ago about the CES booth, the Oculus CES booth. There's going to be another <laughs> company yeah. called uh, Gamo Video Game, something like like it's it's a total ripoff. It looks like a parody. Like if you see their oh, video, you see. Yeah, you I actually see this, and the it has guy like, who like the guy who runs it. There's some story behind him. Yeah. yeah. So I I'm thinking what the, that is. Um, uh, is that's a PR move on the side of Oculus? They want people to see. Um, they wanna they wanna compare Oculus VR versus every other VR. I think. Oh man. And so and so I feel like that's that's the move. They want people to, you know, try the Rift, walk away, feel like, oh, what did I just see? And then next door there's gonna be this Okama Game Sphere and they're you know they'll be completely disappointed um it's sort of saying like um getting a monopoly on vr yeah i mean oculus has been saying over and over and over we want to help any hardware manufacturer get into vr as long as they're doing it correctly and don't release something too soon that isn't good enough mm -hmm. and it seems like they really feel that way i mean i think it's true that everyone involved in vr will benefit if the first mainstream VR push is something really good and not if it feels like a toy, like that's way too expensive, mm -hmm. you know, it needs to feel like something that actually is more useful than a monitor, you know, like it actually has to be more useful than a monitor. Yeah. And I think it can be, but like the software isn't definitely isn't there yet, mm -hmm. but I've seen some things that make me feel like it definitely will be better than a monitor. That is an, a huge distinction. Um, what will make people come to VR will be that question, like, you know, how do I justify buying this? Like, how is this? How is this going to make my life easier? How is it going to make my life better somehow? How is? And, and so it's it it comes down to the practical uses of VR. Like, how do we make it practically useful for the average person? And that's huge. I think that's huge. And so now I have to like prod your mind and ask you, what have you seen, James Blaha, that makes you feel like this might actually be better than a monitor? So there's this really cool, um, it was done in 3JS. I forget the name of it. I should look up the name really quickly. Um, but it was a live coding environment for 3JS in virtual reality. Hmm. And so you could, you know, put a bunch of uh, cubes all around you in code. You know, you just see a big monitor in front of you that has code mm -hmm. and everywhere else is where the code is rendering 3D around you and you're just live editing it. And as you're editing it, you know, the world is changing around you, literally, you know, and you can start animating things and you can start building out an experience or an environment completely from the first person perspective of being in that environment, yeah. you know. I think stuff like that is is like, you know, I would love to be in Unity, 
and have an experience like that where I just have monitors floating around and the whole game environment is around me and I'm seeing it change live. I think this is the kind of, of thing where like as a programmer, I will definitely be more productive in that kind of environment with rapid, uh, you know, rapid live changes happening all the time. And I think, you know, I see that as a great example because I'm a programmer and I program all the time. Um, but I think there are going to be examples like that for all kinds of, you know, useful, hard tasks work. Ooh, that's, uh, that's crazy. That's that. And that's a good example too. Of the guy who was using JavaScript or something, uh, 3JS to, um, to create something. Um, do you yourself personally, Manish, see yourself working in VR, getting, getting, yeah, I, I haven't tried it yet, but I think it'd be really interesting. Um, I like the idea, um, but I, I agree the productivity apps will probably push this into into workplaces, mm -hmm. um, increasing productivity for all kinds of industries. I mean, that's going to be huge. Looking into, you know, how can this help um, someone who works at a warehouse versus how can this help someone who works, um, you know, doing accounting? Um, well, managing a series of warehouses will be like more like playing uh, an RTS. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're just like you microing, in, you microing know, your SO, SUV or yeah. SUVs. SUVs in VR. Yeah, getting things from warehouse to warehouse. That is, that's oh man, the future is happening right now because those that technology is here. The components are here. It's all a matter of gluing them together, right? And but. Gear VR is out, and it came out yesterday. Um, and based on what you guys have seen, could could Gear VR be used for the things that you envision, James? And is it is it good enough, Manish, for it to be consumer ready? What do you guys think? And I'll start with Manish. I haven't gotten a chance to try Gear VR. There's a, whenever um, I go to the the meetups and conferences, there's there's always a line, and I wasn't able to to visit them, but. Um, from what I hear, it's it's a pretty good experience, and um, you know having it untethered and and you know completely self enclosed that's a huge plus for people um, who need to move. And I think it also has a you can pass through the camera. Is that correct? Yeah. So I know, saw a video of that today too that looked pretty good. I mean, it looked like it was oh. use fairly useful pass through, except it's not binocular pass through. No. No. Yeah, I I played with it and the pass through was pretty good, pretty good. And uh, obvious question that anybody listening to this um, would ask is: Are you guys in the future hoping to incorporate Gear VR on the platforms you uh, you get on? Or? Yeah, I think um, in general we're we're going to be available on as much of the new VR hardware as people are using, really. I mean, it's going to come down to what are people using will be available on the on those devices. Um, and it comes back to this idea of always testing the new hardware, always seeing the limits of it. I think the way you have to develop now is say, you know, take each device and say, okay, it's possible to do these things on the on devices with resolution up to this, and it's possible to do these things on devices with late, head tracking latency less than this. And you get a set of features that you can turn on and off for different platforms. I think that's the only way we can develop today because there's no clear standard around anything yet, <laughs> you know, um, from head tracking to, and I think there's going to be a head tracking standard, right? Like yeah. People who aren't going to support Oculus or Android or, or 
Gear VR, they're going to support head tracking data. Yeah. And there's going to be some protocol, some standard way of putting the head tracking data in, which seems like there should be, you know, Oculus will probably set those standards, I would guess. Yeah. It's You think it's just a matter of time before Oculus makes their, their stuff open source? I mean... I mean, they did for the DK1 already. Yeah, right? they did that. Um, so CV1, is that a possibility that they would do that? I mean, that's I what... think it doesn't have to be open source because what's going to end up being is, okay, they made a set of libraries mm -hmm. and I interface with Oculus's libraries in a certain way and everyone else has to make it easy for me to interface with their libraries, so they're going to make it like Oculus. So even if it's not open source, it's like on the level that programmers are using the development kits, it'll be pretty similar. But um, eventually in Unity, it'll be like, you know, what kind of game is this? Oh, you play it in a head-mounted yeah. display, VR display. Um, these are the options you have, uh, you know, head rotational tracking, positional tracking, and then you can have if, you know, HMD doesn't have head tracking to do this, but else. Yeah. I mean, that's... Yeah. Something like that. It'll be very... And, very and that's how people are handling it internally now. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. But I think there are... Like, Unity's probably going to solve that problem themselves. Yeah. No. They have a big interest in it. Or someone like Steam, or I don't know. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of people who would have an interest in making it easier on the game developer. And even, even, even right now, it's not that hard to get um, VR support mostly DK2 support running on, uh, I can speak for UE4, um, it's, it's it's not that hard. Yeah, UE4, all. Unity. Yeah, yeah it's pretty easy. easy. That's going to reach the majority of developers. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder, is there going to be, is you think there's going to be enough supply for the demand? Or is that a question that is just way too early to talk about? Because if there's not, this is like a good problem to have, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, you know, I mean, it'll suck in the short term. You'll have, you know, shortages of VR. They'll be really expensive on eBay. I mean, that that's a possibility. I think that the money behind Oculus will mean that they're not going to meet supply shortages. I mean, they just have so much money that they can, you know they should be able to produce quite a lot in the first consumer-ready version. And they're not going to release that thing until they're sure it's consumer-ready and consumer and they'll have pretty good estimates of how many they think they can sell. And yeah. I think I think it's not going to be a huge surprise for them because they probably have really good people working on the logistics or whatever because they have so much money. Well, what What's the reason most people are going to get this? I mean, if they, don't, if, if they don't need it at work or they have it at work, why are they going to use it at home? Are they going to be Facebook? I mean, what do people do? Netflix, Facebook? Porn. Porn. Yeah, I guess. That's <laughs> porn is a big reason. Yeah, I guess. Gaming. Yeah. yeah. Gaming. I gaming. Mean, gaming and porn will be the flagship, like, leading charge, right? Yeah. I mean, and but then hopefully it's going to... I mean, the next big... The next killer app is definitely Netflix, right? Yeah. Huge screen. As, <laughs> yeah. as much as your field of view. And I wouldn't be surprised if Netflix... Could stream VR experiences at a point not too far from today. Yeah, I mean, yeah. what you could have is you, you know, hang out with your friends in VR watching a Netflix movie. You're yeah. in the same movie theater, sitting next to each other, or You're with people you don't know. Yeah, yeah, people you don't know. That that yeah. would be pretty sweet. The equivalent of Skype. Yeah, you can matter enable or disable while the watching. sound. I mean, I think <laughs> we're gonna be approximating experiences people have in reality that they like. Yes, but better. Bigger screens. 
brighter colors. But, yeah. <laughs> but all right, let, let me let me get uh, let me start throwing some uh, some curveballs at you because if someone would say, uh, a, a, a more skeptical-minded person would say, well, listen, man, this, these things are too bulky, um, and no, no, no pretty girl or you know or, or handsome guy is gonna get their hair undid if, if they put that thing on <laughs> put those straps on um how, how are you gonna uh, you know sell that to them like how do you go how are you gonna make that appealing to them what, what would you say how would you answer to that when we demo which i guess the people we're demoing to are biased towards trying new things um i mean we've never had a problem with a girl with you know her hair all nice you know, having a problem with her putting it on, they, they usually don't care. They're just very excited to try virtual reality. Mm. Yeah. Maybe the hairstyles will have to change. Yeah, yeah, that's always true. <laughs> with the eye, you just have, like, it shaved right down the yeah. middle or and on the side. Everybody just has parts of the yeah. side in the yeah. middle. In 25 years, we'll look back and say, they all had hairstyles to wear their VR gear around. It was so crazy. <laughs> the reverse mohawk. So, <laughs> yes, yes, because yes. you know how the strap runs. Yeah, yeah. yeah one for each. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that would be crazy if I saw a future like that. Um, Maybe it's time to make a bold prediction. I predict that there will be some VR, like VR hairstyles, within three years. People will be doing it just to wear their VR gear. Okay, <laughs> it's now. It, it is now part of. The whole human knowledge is floating around in the ether. Uh, I, we shall return to this, to, to your words, three years from now, James Baha. But I think in a few years, before these VR hairstyles can catch on, unless someone does it tomorrow or something, you know, the VR head, the VR headsets aren't going to be, you know, big and bulky. It'll be like a pair of glasses or yeah. something. I mean, that'll sure be a quickly passing fad yeah. if it happens, you know. <laughs> People are going to hear this podcast and shave their, start shaving their heads yeah, to make James' and... prediction of reality. Yeah, I'd love to take a picture with someone who, you know, at any of these conferences or meetups. Yeah, uh, that's, uh, that's major points on LinkedIn. You can say, I'm also a sage. <laughs> I can predict the future, and I can I can add like I I can post that I can say yeah, I can. yeah if I could get a lot of people on LinkedIn saying yeah he has that skill yeah, yeah. <laughs> Check based on this picture based on this podcast precognizance yeah. yeah um yeah that, that's uh that's gonna be really interesting to see how VR is going to change our culture um that's uh and there's no way of knowing. If, if there's one thing that's unpredictable, it's how people are going to react um, and adapt to it. Like, uh, how long do you think it, it? How long before it's past a pair of glasses? You know, like contacts. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Like, how long before we see that? I mean, there there are some people working on lens, contact lens displays. <clears throat> you know, the pretty low resolution. I think. To something really good, we're probably 20 years away. Like a contact lens that has really super good resolution, really good contrast ratio. It looks like real life. Something really small you can't even notice. You know, I think 20, 20 years. 20 away. years. But watch it be 10 years. It'll be 10 years. It could be. It could. I mean, I think it's super hard to predict anything yeah. specifically past five years, five to 10 years. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, it's hard enough. 
before five years, but like after five years, it's practically impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's yeah, that's gonna be really interesting. But I mean, what about the idea that VR might be a fad that it's just gonna pass and we'll move on to something else? Is there is it is VR truly the final medium like Michael A. Brush has said, or do you guys think that this is something that kind of like um, skinny jeans? They're gonna they're gonna go away and come back. And go well, away. It, it, I think it'll be um, AR eventually, right? And with the contact lenses, mm-hmm. and so you can do whatever you want. You know, you can be on your phone. It just actually there's a show on Netflix, um, Black Mirror. They just Yes. Have you seen that? Yeah. You know that one? No, no, wait, wait. Okay. I only seen the first episode. <laughs> so I don't. I can't. I haven't seen the rest. But I have to. I know. There's I actually great. more than one good episode of that, <laughs> which like has philosophical try, tries to talk about philosophical questions in in this area. Yeah. In, exactly. in VR, AR, and that yeah, that, that's a good show. That's I a good show. I think the first episode was one where they um, everyone basically has these implants to like store their memories and um actually it stores everything they see here and maybe smell i don't know mm-hmm. but like all the senses mm-hmm. it kind of stores them and um so you can replay them back to yourself and you have a display like a, a contact lens display i'm guessing um to to watch all this and so you can go back in any point in time uh, while you've had the implant and like replay that moment so yeah and that's not even super far away yeah from a practical standpoint like it doesn't have to be in your eye for mm-hmm. that to work, you just need a camera running all the time mm-hmm. and play it back in VR. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we're we're pretty much there. Already. Someone should do that. Someone should just like <laughs> yeah, make a thing to strap on a hard drive to the side of your head, have a camera and a microphone, and you just walk around with that, and it'll be and storing it's every moment be of your more life. More stylish than Google Glass. <laughs> <laughs> Someone tried. Uh, did you see there was a guy trying to get a Kickstarter going for? He was trying to raise 150k to be in VR for 28 days and he would see the perspective of his buddy living out his life um I don't think I don't think he's going to pull it off um uh, at this point it's 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 around 7k but the tech's um, not quite there I think yeah when someone's doing a kickstarter where everyone everyone has these devices and they say okay pay me this and I'll stream my life live to all of you Mm mm-hmm 24 7 for a month yeah. you know and and people can in the first person watch themselves stuff like that is gonna work yeah you know i i mean i think that's like maybe your next level reality tv type experience and i think cool. youtube is the gateway to that or or it's the humanity dipping its toes into that um because it's, it it's 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 true it's not and you know you YouTube can be so addicting, like just watching videos. Um, I'm, I'm personally cannot stop watching science videos and documentaries on YouTube. Well, yeah, it's my, it's my, it's my death, and um, and 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 we crave this. So I, I think that that is going to become a thing. Like people are going to sell their lives, literally, or their whole memories to to for others to experience. Um, and based on what? Based on the roll of the dice? Based on the fact that they were born in a, a certain patch of the earth than someone else, and so therefore they can live different lives? 
mean, unfortunately, it seems like that's, I mean, that that's the reality we're in, that it's just a roll of the dice. I mean, people are born where they're born and their lives play out how they do largely because of that in, in a lot of cases. But I think as time moves on, we're going to increase access to the poorest people in the world. And it, that's been happening. And it's been increasing by, you know, billions of people have moved out of poverty in the last 30 years. You know, it's like a short time scale. And I think we're not super far away from a time scale where the poorest people have, you know, enough food to eat and a place to live, at least. And internet access? And probably internet access. Yeah, internet yeah. access might come before that. You know, yeah, IMAX is yeah, like seriously true. being deployed everywhere before they like can even solve the. the but it's part issues. of part of what's helping solve the problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this. Oh, there was a uh, survey that they did, um, or or was it an NPR episode where they went to uh, somewhere in Central Africa, and uh, they offered the people their um, time to use their phones. Or money, or or was it money? I think it was money or food. One of the things. One of the one of those two. But people always chose time on their phone to access the internet. Cause um, and the reasoning was, well, through here I can ac access things and ask for help. Or you know, right now they're like they they have this app in like in uh, the Central African market where they can track prices in real time, like stock traders can and these are like local farmers and that's uh insanely empowering how they're sort of slingshotted and catapulted um to the 21st century like in that in that way you know yeah i think i read something um recently about uh it was some company or some group um they went to it might have been India, and it was a poor um, farming village, and they increased the um, the basically profit for the fishermen, and um, lowered the prices for the people who were buying the fish uh, by just giving people cell phones, so they could uh, kind of have logistics on you know okay what's the demand here what's the demand at this village what's the demand at this village what's the demand at this village where should i go to make the most money that's what the you know people selling fish were doing and um everyone won and wow. it was just by giving a few cell phones which cost nothing you know yeah yeah because the problem was if they went to a place and they were wrong and way less people wanted it they'd lose all the fish yeah wow and so it was really high risk without the information and with the information it's really low risk and there's just less wasted. So like, you know, if half the amount of fish is going bad, fish can cost half as much now, you yeah, know? Yeah. So everyone benefits. Mm -hmm. I, I've my whole life have underestimated the power of information. How, how, how much of a force of nature in and out of itself it can be in, in my, like, in my view, like I started thinking about this more and, you know, if in order for us for you to have a civilization, if you were ever to have one, I, I, I hypothesize completely out of my butt that you need people, you need energy, and you need information. And uh, those things need to be able to free flow and be free flowing uh, and merge and naturally with each other. Um, and so information is something that is becoming 
explosively available in today's world and how is that going to change us is this going to be like is are we going to end up in idiocracy because of this because we're because of what we're attracted to as like the masses or are we going to become more enlightened as a whole at the end of the road i think it will simultaneously be both of those things you know it'll it'll become easier to be distracted to to escape from reality um to you know kind of do the the i don't hard hard to exactly say but like an idiocracy kind of the lowest energy outcome right the late the laziest thing you could do you know just watch like irrelevant tv all the time or the equivalent of irrelevant tv and vr right which is even more effective mm. <laughs> at keeping you watching um but i think we're gonna have ever more people doing that and ever more people you know actually using the sum of humanity that we the sum of knowledge of humanity that we collected on the internet and we can learn so much faster today than ever before and so many more people can do it and that's only going to keep getting more true and more and more true you know more and more people so I think I'm optimistic that even if it's a minority of people taking part in that, it's still like an expanding minority that will be really important, you know, as it increases, even if it's not everybody. Yeah. Let's, uh, I, I want to talk about uh, something that we were talking about earlier, because I've caught the bug. It's the AI bug. I can't stop thinking about it. <laughs> and the more I ask questions to people who are smarter than, not, than I and and the more i the more questions i i, I that I, I get and so um i want to get you guys's perspective on a couple questions that i've been bouncing around and i'm wondering whether you guys think that this this thing the singularity is it possible do you think that it'll happen i'll start with minish um i this reminds me of um was it uh transcendence uh i was watching that i fell asleep um a little bit through the movie but i think it was mostly like a bad outcome of this super ai i believe um yeah we'll see um you know super ai um and things just advancing faster and faster and faster why when when and why right after the 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 contact lenses right after, right <laughs> after that yeah um and why why do we need that though like here like why why do we need to make for the artificial for the problems we have a lot of trouble solving yeah. um we just want to save time and you know maybe we're with enough time we can solve problems but there's probably a lot of I mean, problems why do that, humans work yeah you know, it's all the reasons why humans work is why we want AI. Exactly. Because yeah. we don't want to work, really. <laughs> you know? That's true. Or, we, or rather, we want to work exactly as much as we want to, whatever that is, at any given time, right? That's smart. And so, like, to pick up the rest of the slack, we're going to use software. And depending on how you define intelligence, you know, software has been getting more and more intelligent over time. And I don't expect a reason for why that would stop, you know? Essentially, we want AI. Human beings want AI because we're we want to be lazier. Yeah, that's why programmers program. 
that's why it's one of the virtue one of the virtues of programming is laziness <laughs> because you want to automate it so you don't have to do it in the future so you want to do it right for oh. every instance which is the laziest thing in the long run it's like you know the smart the smart lazy that is that has given me a new perspective <laughs> but then a lot of programmers aren't programming for themselves you know they're creating software you know uh for the benefit of others mm. and um i forget where i was going with this and ai could be used for the not for the benefit of others like like for example militarize ai from some other nation or it may even act in its own interest yeah not you know care about human interests at all i think that's where transcendence was going yeah. i remember right <laughs> and is that something that you guys worry about or think about or are, are, we, are you preparing for the robot war if there will be one? Definitely something to worry about. It could easily... Yeah, it's a risk. It's a real risk. Yeah. It could get out of hand and... Um, that's why we need to be talking things. about it now. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think that's why people like Elon Musk and Stephen Hawking are trying to bring this up because... Five years from now, if we haven't talked about it at all, it's going to be too late. Well, what did Elon Musk say? Um, Elon Musk basically said, you know, he invested in DeepMind. Mm -hmm. Google invested in DeepMind. Mm -hmm. So, um, and, and they're using um, machine learning uh, to tackle problems Google's interested in. Things like image recognition, voice recognition, uh, you know, con connecting concepts together, understanding how, how uh, you know, conceptually what's contained in a book and how it relates to other books you know these are things that individually have a lot of use to google for search and for all, all their products but they're also all of the components of you know an intelligence <laughs> when you put them all together and so what elon musk said was he invested in DeepMind to keep tabs on the ai industry to see how it's progressing you know and he's seen what they're doing today and he thinks what they're doing in five years is going to be so insane that it's, you know, a, a potential threat, essentially, like a potential existential threat to humanity if we don't control it properly. And so, like, part of, like, DeepMind, I think they have someone on their board whose job it is to be in charge of questions like this. Um, and I think their investor, or maybe it was DeepMind forced their investors so someone got it in that there always had to be a person thinking about the like existential risks of AI um, in general for the stuff they're working on. Because I think those guys know more than anybody what the risks could be. And so I think, you know, in general, the people at the very cutting edge, the very smartest people are worried about it and are trying to start a conversation about it. Okay, so even if we know, even if we know that there there is an existential risk to developing this um should we still go forward and, and creating it Be, and i and i say this because you, what if we knew what if we knew what the atomic bomb or the hydrogen bomb would be able to do had we had we known what the if we had known in advance what the hydrogen bomb had done or could be could do like would would we still have done it and so in that same vein, like, you know, this thing is, could be just as powerful. It's, How do you propose the world stops anyone from ever doing it? Yeah, it's going to happen. And you know? it's better yeah. if we talk about it and it, it's 
observed and controlled in such a way that something bad probably won't happen. Well, I think you want like an extremely well-informed, well-prepared public community yeah. of the people on the cutting edge, and then you keep it in the public. You know, I think this is something that's happening also in synthetic biology, where the people who are on the cutting edge are starting the conversation now because the implications of their work in 10 years are staggering. You know, it's like new, uh, you know, it, it comes down to these basic philosophical questions about like, what is consciousness? What is life? Um, mm -hmm. You know, what, what is moral in these areas is not at all clear and what is dangerous too. And, and like the power of these technologies is such that they could have global effects, you know? So yeah. it's just, even if the risk is so low, I think as a, as a world, we need as many people talking about it and thinking about it as possible to try to think of all of the, you know, possible risks and ways to mitigate them. Cause it's going to happen. So it's like the question is how prepared are we going to be? You think that um, eventually what they're doing, the research they're doing, once they get closer and closer to actually creating, you know, some kind of artificial in intelligence, um, do you think they'll have to make it more open? I think it could or, go a lot of different ways. Like <laughs> go the dollhouse yeah. way, even though dollhouse wasn't in artificial intelligence, but it was in a similar... Honestly, I think... Yeah, I think the most likely way is like that, where basically a big corporation gets awesome. there first and starts using it because it's very powerful. Um, and it, you know, it takes time for the rest of society to catch up. And the results of that, when it's so powerful, it could be really, uh, you know, varied, I guess. It's very high volatility in a situation like that because mm -hmm. you don't, it, it comes down to who are the random people who figured out how to do it first mm -hmm. and how will they use it, you know? And if you pick different groups of people in the corporate and scientific world, you're going to get radically different outcomes, you know? I, I want to pick up something you said and uh, help me correct this if I'm oversimplifying it. But if, sort of from what I've gathered from what you've been saying and just off just off my head, um, these technologies like virtual reality, like synthetic biology, like AI, there is some deep fundamental questions behind them. Like if, behind virtual reality, I, I would say like the, the deepest question I would say is like, what is reality? Um, with AI, it's like, what is life? Um, with synthetic biology, what question are we answering there? But synthetic biology is... What is the fundamental question behind that? It comes down to consciousness and life, right? Like, so the, the way things will eventually go in synthetic biology is we'll be able to, to design organisms which produce things for us, medicines, even things like... Um, cups and plates, uh, you know, you can produce them efficiently with basically just inputs and nitrogen and a few other things, uh, sunlight, right? And so the question is, you could, you could also, you could do it with plants. That's probably fine. Most people are all right with, you know, using plants as chemical factories, 
but we're already, you know, using mammals to produce medicines. Like they're, they're genetically modified goats, which in their milk produce um, a medicine. It might have been insulin, yeah. um, which is way more cost effective. You know, they can replace like so many thousands of barrels of oil with 20 goats. You know, it's like a pretty big reduction in cost. Mm-hmm. And but the question is, is it OK to turn mammals who probably have some form of consciousness, you know, so, somewhat similar to ours? into factories you know um maybe it depends on how good their life is while they're a factory you know i don't know i mean i think it's a complex question maybe it's just not okay right i mean may, or maybe we find the genes which remove consciousness from the equation mm-hmm. right and then you make a goat but with no you you could prove it doesn't experience anything mm. you know in its brain you know maybe that is that moral you know i probably i don't know a a non-conscious genetically engineered goat that you just use as a source of food and energy or next step what about a non what if you could prove it's a non-conscious human you could prove this 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 being has no consciousness doesn't experience anything and but then you probably just not otherwise like a human body like an empty human body that's the next generation sex doll right there or organ donation oh yeah that's better (laughs) (laughs) you know you get which one will make more money (laughs) organs are expensive organs are expensive sex doll lasts a long time (laughs) robot will probably be cheap but i don't i don't like my well I was going to say I don't like my sex dolls to just lie down and stay there. <laughs> I guess that's what a sex doll does. <laughs> um, you don't like yeah. your sex doll, sex partners to be dolls. Yeah, yeah, I guess, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is the other issue covered by Dollhouse. That's yeah, how. yeah. What's Dollhouse? Dollhouse. Um, Joss Whedon, I think, yeah. made it. Um, really interesting show. Uh, his shows always get canceled early, but he had a chance to wrap this one up um, in okay. the second season. So I'd suggest watching it. It's basically um, they uh, this big corporation takes people in, um, pays them some amount of money to take five years of their lives where they store their consciousness in a hard drive. And then put a different consciousness in them that's holy fuck that's trained for you know to be an assassin or to be you know a very um, seductive lady for some rich guy who hires uh, hires them. Yeah. Wow! But that's, they kind of like it, st- it starts out that way and it kind of progresses <clears throat> and like what are the real implications of something like that? Okay. So it's pretty pretty interesting on that level. Yeah. So, so wow so they signed away their consciousness yeah for five years for and of course they wake years. up as if nothing happened as if it was instant yeah wow that, maybe that, some more bruises and broken bones and yeah. that would be <laughs> trippy that would be Why? crazy well the question of ownership of consciousness in a way if if you have all your interactions recorded inside the metaverse like isn't that a form of you know your replay your uh, an archive of your consciousness and so who does that belong to you know how will this play out when when people start you know google. it'll probably be on google drive yeah, it'll belong <laughs> and to google. google will be doing some like <laughs> research on that and come out with some crazy crazy tools um but yeah it's it's something that's kind of scary 
Yeah. You know, I, for the for some reason, I I thought the whole Snowden thing was going to be a bigger deal. I know. And I I think mm-hmm. people are scared. I've met a lot of people who just think he was irrelevant. I guess. I mean, I that that's almost maybe the worst response. Dude, remember when they remember when you learned about the Pentagon Papers? And that shit is Sesame Street compared to this. Yeah, and it's it, it's part of it is but there's just been so many things <laughs> that he's been revealing, you know, and other people too. And it all kind of like falls into line with what a lot of people were saying they were doing, but people didn't have direct yeah. evidence. Yeah, yeah. And so like the people who have been yelling about it are like not surprised, you know, like, um, you know, like the computer chaos club people or like Jacob Applebaum or um, like, um, uh, you know, WikiLeaks, uh, Julian Assange, mm-hmm. like these people are not surprised. And the people who have been listening to those people are not surprised, but, and everyone else it's like a, still a little bit too technical for them to really understand the implications of it all, I, I think. I think people know, you know, all their communications are recorded, and, but they don't really feel like it kind affects them. Kind of vaguely. They, they, don't, yeah. they, they don't feel like it'll yeah. ever affect them. Yeah. Um, so people are pretty apathetic. I think most, most people, um, because most people are apathetic about most things and worry about, you mm-hmm. know, what am I going to wear tomorrow to the party? And we can't forget there's a... Sh- there's a big number of people who really believe I have nothing to hide. The government should have access to that information to catch criminals and it's worth it. You know, I, I think I'll, there are, there are a lot of people who actually do believe that. Yeah. Too, so, yeah, it's just, it's, we share so much with the internet. What we like, I, and this is something I've talked about a bit a while ago, but you know, I don't want to linger on too much, but it's just, like we we share more intimate things with our search engine than we do with some of our closest yeah people, and that's not worth protecting. Like uh, <laughs> the fuck. But we still don't use DuckDuckGo, you know. Like I don't. I don't know. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, but... Google saves all our searches, so that's you know even before Comcast throttles DuckDuckGo. But part of the trade really? too, yeah, I think. So. Oh, do they? I wow. think so. But yeah, but part of the trade is that like they record all your searches, but they also get better at telling you what you want to find by doing that. And so their service probably is better than anyone can get without recording all your stuff and tying it back to you. Yeah. And so like we're willing to make that trade a lot of the time if it increases the service, which we are getting for free and we are offering all the information willingly to them i mean we're typing it into their website mm-hmm. like we know we're doing that you know i think there needs to be a bigger conversation about those trade-offs in the public like especially in the media um and i think some collective attention would change some things for the better for the consumers right now the consumers consumers in general just aren't demanding it right so yeah and is there any way to is there any way to change this? I mean, how are they doing it now? Because there's wiretapping laws, but they get around the wiretapping laws. Like, I'm talking about the feds doing it. Well, okay, so the wiretapping laws only apply to landlines. Because mm. cell phones transmit through public air, you don't have an expectation of privacy. Mm. It's, it's like transmitting on a radio. Didn't, didn't you they can't all... expect, like, 
have your radio transmission be private. That's that's like their ruling. So they've always been able to listen to cell phones. Oh wow. What what about um internet? That's on that, Utah. Yeah, yeah, the big facility. Mm-hmm. Yep. But they they said like um I think one way they got around some stuff was that a human wasn't actually listening in. Right. It was yeah. all an algorithm. That was another one of the rulings. But then if we have an AI doing this, right. You know, which may or may not have consciousness eventually, then would that would would they not be able to get around that? Whose side would the AI be then? Well, would it pick a side? If let's say let's say it depends how much control whoever makes it has. But what if well well again this is this is AI we're talking about. We yeah. have no idea how how it'll break around or move away from our loopholes or safe locks. Yeah. The, who, and this is a stupid question because there's no way of knowing like how would the AI view us? Would it you see us? As a species, or would it categorize us how we categorize each other, like into social classes and genders, or would it, you know, like, I don't know. I have no fucking clue. Yeah, I think it totally depends on the initial conditions of the thing. Yeah. (laughs) When it becomes, when it starts, you know, building itself and editing its own code. Um, And I think right now that's a totally unanswered question. Right. It, it could turn out almost any way. Here's just as big of a question. How, why are we assuming that it's only going to be one AI in one part of the world? Why can't there be one in Japan, one in the States, one in Germany, two in Russia, three in China? You know, like they're like a multiple what? forms of... I think we already have Siri and Watson... <laughs> and whatever Google's gonna start calling itself to give it a friendlier name eventually when you're talking to it more like a person <laughs> and I see yeah I think there are gonna be several and you're gonna interact with them more and more and more how you'd interact with any other person or interface whichever is more useful like if an interface is more useful we'll use that if talking to a person is more useful as an interface we'll use that it's like hard to predict which will actually be more useful to humans in the future We'll be gossiping and talking shit about, you know, AI's back. AI will be tuned into the ether at, to the internet and they'll know everything. Have you? There's another movie I keep talking about movies and shows, um, where there's an OS that's an AI. Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, is it? It's not Black Mirror. No, no, it's no, not no. a Black Mirror episode. Um, and Scarlett Johansson was the voice of the AI. Yeah, yeah, Scarlett Johansson. Uh, uh, her. Her, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it, but yeah, I've seen heard it a lot about it. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's well. What's 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 that? Is is putting someone? Is here's another thing that I've been wondering about. Like, if the brain is a soup of just electrochemical reactions happening inside this 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 cranium, um. Couldn't you revive someone who's brain dead using a transcranial direct current stimulation device, or it like like sending electrical signals or electric, you know? You're saying like like revive the, the brain? Yeah, the, the brain dead brain. I don't know because, because they knew what the pattern of firing should be, mm-hmm. and you could use transcranial direct stimulation to make it that pattern yeah. without any external energy yeah kind of like how you have to like massage massage the heart or like pump it back into uh-huh. could you do that with the brain with i don't know with i think there will be easier things 
like like human longevity type thing like keeping it alive is easier than bringing it back and i think you can't keep it like that indefinitely without also keeping it alive i wonder though why otherwise couldn't, it'll degrade why couldn't you just you know as long as the connections are still intact i don't know you know what the hell happens at death what is it yeah and it's usually organ failure you know yeah, but uh, comatose state but, but, but you, yeah there should be some thing or at least something you could repair if it's broken some links dude imagine you're in that there, i mean there's no way to imagine what that would feel like but all of a sudden you, you're in your cathedral your comatose cathedral and then you see uh, electricity like holy crap <laughs> my place um but that's impossible is that has anybody experimented with that i'm i'm fascinated with that too like reviving people or like bringing people from the dead in the most theoretically scientific way possible i mean if, i know that's not well, there's, there's this this argument that you could um with good enough brain scanning technology once you can scan all of the parts that are important for determining you know the information content of the brain mm -hmm. you copy it onto a computer and then whether or not they're dead like it's interesting both ways mm -hmm. <laughs> is that copy in the computer that person still or is that a new person is it not a person at all if you make a hundred copies, are they all people? If they start diverging after you make copies, right? Like you make at that moment in time, they're all identical. And then they all have different experiences mm -hmm. and start diverging. You know, like it doesn't even require people to be dead. I like it's actually it seems more confusing if you don't if you don't have to like kill them to scan their brain, mm -hmm. right? Because there's this idea. I don't know. It, people expect their consciousness to be singular. Mm -hmm. And for there to really, right now, everyone is unique and there's only one, but like, you know, Who's not to too say? distant future, maybe everyone doesn't have to be unique. Yeah. Start sewing backups, make copies of yourself, yeah. tweak the copies, maybe all your copies work together. Yeah. yeah. Maybe they don't. I don't know. Yeah. I, that is uh, something that I think about. The idea of porting your consciousness somewhere else in this context of space travel you know i thought about like you know i don't think i could live long enough to be in a spaceship to get to the nearest you know habitable planet but if if i upload my consciousness to a computer maybe that's the next best thing is that is that something that is worth doing or would you guys ever envision you doing something so crazy like that like you know do you would you ever even want to um yeah i'd try it out nice. <laughs> <laughs> like you're open-minded um it's kind of like the question of um would you go through the the star trek teleportation device because what happens is they actually like create a complete copy of you where they're going to teleport you and then they destroy your version that that's that was being teleported Holy so you fuck. actually like die <laughs> yeah. would you if you rewatch star trek thinking that every time they walk into a transporter is like the last moment they live yeah it starts to be a really sad show yeah, yeah. Really sad. Whoa. <laughs> wow wow <laughs> this is crazy <laughs> but um see that's why i wouldn't go through a teleporter because i think equivalent for the original it's equivalent to walking into an incinerator the pretty original much. person there's no difference i'll pass on, on teleporters thanks for that making up. copies <laughs> You know, there's no downside to making copies and staying yeah, alive. Yeah. So I'd make as many copies that. as I could. Would you put your consciousness in a computer and send it out to space? 
as early and as often as possible. <laughs> you should watch Dollhouse. Dollhouse is all Dollhouse about is all this. about this. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. sounds awesome. But yeah. um, more backups can only be good. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I'll want to go back to a restore point before, you know? Yeah, maybe put in, like, some new skills, like, new modules. Yeah, like Eve. It. Yeah. <laughs> is that gonna is, is that gonna destroy the way we reproduce then? Is instead of you just having children, James, you're just gonna have more Jameses? Yeah, I think it is. <laughs> little little <laughs> cute baby Jameses. I think that's legitimately true. I think the scale on which at some point, I mean, maybe it's not our generation, but like on at some point, the scale at which consciousness expands is gonna buy like non non traditional like by not being born like normally consciousness expands by you make more copies of yourself, you know, than you and your partner took to make and consciousness increases. But at a certain point, it's going to be like our technology is increasing our consciousness or the consciousness of AI or whatever. So most new consciousness will not be born after a certain point, I think. And that that's going to overtake quickly because it's moving logarithmically. So like when it passes it, it'll quickly be way more after that. Explain that a little bit further because I'm, I'm kind of lost. You're saying more... Consciousness will not have to be born as time progresses? As long as, okay, if you can build consciousness in a computer, mm -hmm. or you can do it with technology, or even if um, you can expand our current brains to be more powerful, that's essentially extending the amount of consciousness it has, maybe. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess it depends on how you define consciousness, but I think by weight, like by mass of computing matter, it's brains or computers... Um, massive intelligent matter. Right now, it's all being born as humans, mm -hmm. and in the future, it will be built as machines. Oh, I think. yeah. And so the yeah. pace will be way higher than we could ever, um, you know, have humans be born. Even though that also moves um, exponentially too. Um, you know, we can go even fast. I think we'll continue that exponential, not by having more people be born, but by building more technology or expanding people's consciousness or that kind of thing. That'd be, is there, yeah, that's insane. And uh, I wonder what it's going to look like. There's uh, so much to think about with VR and there's so many convergences happening like in the future that there really is, is there's no, there's no telling where it's headed. And I want to know about, um, When was the last time you guys played a good video game? Like what's the what's the last good game you've played? We played some Counter Strike not too long ago. Yeah, Counter Strike was the last game I played. Um, Why Counter Strike? What's the what's the appeal to Counter Strike for you guys? We used to play nostalgia. Yes, we used to play uh, CS back in the day. Um, And the appeal back then was extreme competition with your friends yeah yeah <laughs> are you are, are you guys uh uh do you guys rage quit at all or do you ever not since that? i quit league of legends really yeah <laughs> yeah league of legends will make you do that <laughs> i could but, see you as a as a rage quitter but you know, league of legends was the only yeah, thing that made me mad in life he's not a person who gets mad he, i've Rarely seen him mad. The only instances I have is when he's playing League of Legends. Yeah, League of Legends is like designed to emotionally uh, cripple you <laughs> and keep you playing. You yeah. become dependent on it. It's horrible. It's horrible. It sounds like a bad drug, man. No, it's, it's a cool game. game though. <laughs> it's crazy. It's a cool game. 
Could that be? Is that an example of a game that could be enhanced by VR? Or yes or no? That's an example of of a of a game that they've engineered to be addictive, um, which makes it a good game in a lot of senses. I think they got the freemium model going on. Yeah, yeah, the freemium model. You yeah. know, you have all kinds of incentives to play way more than you ever possibly could. So, like, you know, you you could play ten hours a day and it still wouldn't be enough. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like. Um, and it has it takes advantage of that human tendency to like um, humans become addicted to situations where there's a lot of random chance, but it's not totally random. So you, yeah. like you have some outcome in general, but on any specific game, you have very little control over the outcome, mm-hmm. and so you your body like feels like. You want to uh, learn how to master this so you always win because you just like want to always win, right? But you never can always win, so your body never feels like it is finished. And yeah. so like you just become addicted to it in that way. Yeah. And the reason you don't have com- complete control is because you you're playing with four other people on your team. Yeah. And so you, you just get angry at other people oh. when you, you when you don't win and then you play another game. And then yeah. the same thing happens and then you play another game. Yeah. And then you're like, I've lost three in a row. I've been sitting here two hours. <laughs> I just want to win one. One, yeah. <laughs> Before you know it, you've been playing League of Legends for four hours and you're really mad. You know, like, it's, it's uh, crazy. That's why, yeah, the the last game that I played was Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon. Uh, that's It pays an homage to the 80s and Terminator. And, oh, nice. and it's, uh, it's, yeah, the voice acting in it is amazing. It's hilarious. Um uh, you guys should check it out. It's a good game. But, it, yeah, it's one of those where you got to turn off your brain because there's going to be about to be a lot of uh, shooting and, and violence. Um, Is there any VR support for that? You know, I wish. <clears throat> it, it's uh, it's kind of like, it's one of those games, it's a Ubisoft game, so I don't, So if it is, it's definitely going to be a mod mm-hmm. somewhere in the, in the dark net. Because, um, yeah, these big publishers, are, are the game creators, they're not really putting VR support behind them. I mean, Grand Theft Auto has first-person view. It feels like they're teasing you. Like, yeah. Hey, we're gonna, yeah. I haven't we're, tried that yet. But everyone's um, talking about how, it's like, you know, they want to be ready for VR. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, they probably do, you know. <laughs> <laughs> do you... Yeah, it, dude, if Grand Theft Auto Five is VR compatible on Morpheus PS4, for example... That's it. I'm done. I yeah, guess. that's multiplayer, right? It'll be like MMO, right? Yeah. No more Enter VR. It's done. Like, <laughs> no, you'll just host the show from inside GTA 5. Yeah, Thank there you, you go. Actually, you saw there it. You go. Thank you. I'll bring it back. Yeah. Right. You saved my company. Yeah. It'll be at your house. You paid all the in-game currency to make it really nice as a interview <laughs> setting. You have your virtual camera streaming it to other people's virtual TVs inside GTA. Yeah, that'd be... Uh, the trolls would be hard to... Uh, put away because yeah, that's yeah, uh, they'd be outside your house trying to blow it up yeah you'll have to hire security I would have to hire security. <laughs> either Thor yeah. or the you know Eve is already kind of like this there, there really? are people who are where all they do in the game are, are that they're reporters really yeah and they live blog huge battles and the thing is it fulfills they're not they're not just reporters in the sense that they're reporting all the stuff that's going on to all the people in Eve who aren't involved 
but there are also news which leaks sometimes into the public domain, which mm. affects the battles themselves. Whoa. And the alliances and the, you know, which which territories people are attacking at any given time. Whoa. Yeah. Eve is cool except, like, the huge amount of time you have to put into it. But they've, they've like, done a great job at making a real world, I think. Wow. That's insane. That's, yeah, the, um, I think that Eve is the other, is the game where they had the the largest battle ever. And it was, like, um... 150k or something, something crazy like that. Yeah, fifty thousand dollars lost, lost in like eight, yeah, in like eight hours or yeah. something. What the? Fuck? Yeah, and there are multiple <laughs> reporters covering it from every angle, and they're like streaming it. That's crazy. Live commentary, and sometimes the reporters get killed, and then they they like can't come back. So sometimes there are like campaigns to eradicate all the potential leaks of information including the reporters so they have to like crazy defend themselves that's that it's all like the game wasn't necessarily like set up to where you're the reporter class you know like go to your mission covering this battle people just kind of did that on their own the more i see these immersive insanely giant games like like eve like no man's sky like i was saying earlier the more i feel like the idea that we might be a, a simulation and some AI is our god is not is not that is not that crazy. I mean, because we're we're creating it right now with the technology that we have, and I can't even fathom um, to pretend to know what the Oculus Rift version twelve will look like, you know, and what you know where where that'll take me. That's are you guys? open to that idea like i asked you earlier but like i wonder um you know creating a simulation yeah are we are we a simulation and could we create one if if we can create one we are one so if we can make one then we're almost definitely in one because as soon as we can make one we're not going to make just one and probably there's other life in the universe. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it'd be pretty human centric to think, you know, we're the only people who will figure out what's possible in physics mm -hmm. in this whole gigantic universe of hundreds of billions of stars, probably, you know, maybe even infinite numbers of habitable planets, you know. So there's going to be more than one per real universe, probably way more than one to one. And inside each simulation, there may be more, right? So that yeah. makes it even more more than one each time. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's possible we're living in a real universe, but the odds are going to be like millions, billions, trillions, nearly infinity maybe to one. To one, yeah. Madness. It's madness. Uh, but what is it that's stopping our current technology from us getting there? You know, is it is it can Moore's Law continue uh, without impediment indefinitely or or is the silicon chip gonna have to be replaced by graphene or something something better all problems solved with ai that we create super intelligent ai because the ai will be self-improving for us yeah self-improving ai get smarter and smarter solve all these problems for us and create the simulation and plug us all into that simulation maybe what if it solves the problem all right this is more like philosophical like what if it solves a problem in a way that we, we don't want it to solve it how do we you know, like the paperclip optimizer have you heard of this no <laughs> what's that so this is one of the scenarios where ai did kills everyone it's basically someone works at a, a, pa a 
paperclip factory, right? And they're making a system, manufacturing system, which all of our manufacturing systems, even for paperclips, are getting super complex, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, and all, its only job is to produce more paperclips more efficiently, produce more paperclips more efficiently. And so in order to fulfill this task, it starts expanding, eating up all the matter on Earth, eventually all the matter and as far as it can reach under physical constraints in the universe and turns it into paper clips, except for the stuff that it needs to make the paper clips, so like itself. Um, and so it'll just expand its own consciousness or its own agency, I guess, if you don't want to use the word consciousness, its own intelligence to keep making more and more paper clips and turn the whole galaxy into paper clips. And, you know, maybe travel far enough, you might find a galaxy of paper clips, you know, just it's like, oh, we know what happened here. <laughs> yeah. in a sense we that's what's like when you're a reporter for one of those battles or when you're looking at those human online human interact interaction from a macro level you're you do sort of feel like this looks like a science experiment like and you are you know it's like you're there the mics down there and you're looking out above from the window of your computer uh and yeah well, I mean, the, and the purpose of us being a simulation is for, for us to be that very thing, a simulation of what, of life itself? I mean, why would we be in one if we were in one? I think all the evidence, whether we're in a simulation or not, is that there is not some being who cares about the outcomes of our individual lives. It, see, it seems like there's no evidence to support the idea that there's some being which is interfering in our day-to-day -day lives and changing the outcome. Mm -hmm. I think I, if we are in a simulation, the whole universe is being simulated, right? Like, at least it seems like it from our perspective. Yeah. So why would you simulate such a vast, gigantic universe? Not even just vast above us, but vastly smaller than us, too. It's like, you know, it's it's so unimaginably big scales on both sides. You know, like, so why... It just seems like all the evidence points to the fact that we're not like a special part of the universe that holds like a special place and it's all for us. Well, we, we could be, you know, just our, our part of the universe could, could be simulated, right? But if that's the case, it's probably just you or, or like, you know, yeah, just, just yeah. each one of, okay. whichever ones of us think we're conscious, then everything's simulated in our heads and the rest isn't there. Yeah. So, so that's the, either just you. Or the universe doesn't care about you. So this room is being simulated right now and, like, rendered. Yeah. And then when you leave the door, the rest, you know, the outside will be simulated. Okay. Yeah. But I tend to think the human-centric ones are probably wrong. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, how hard could it be to... How hard could it be to engineer 7 billion... 7.3 billion mini-universes? For seven tailored made for seven three billion people. Uh, I mean, it'd be easier than putting them all in the same place, probably. You know, it would make more sense to have each person have their own universe and everyone else in it is part of the simulation. Yeah, and I yeah, kind of like what you said, like it's one that is once I leave the door, it all disappears. Right? Yeah, it's it 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 that kind of could explain why we can't travel backwards in time. No, because it's. No, no, because then we just replay the simulation backwards. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if that's the case, physics could be anyway. <laughs> yeah. Maybe all these simulations are just like tweaking physics and seeing what happens. 
Hmm. Maybe. <laughs> We're like part of this yeah. farm with different values for, you know, the gravitational constant or something. I don't know. I mean, a lot of physicists think that. Because if you look at all the constants, you say, wow, if you change this a tiny bit, the universe wouldn't support life as we know it. Or if you change this a tiny bit, the universe wouldn't support life. And yeah. it, it seems like they're all fine-tuned fine, like, exactly to perfect. support us. But then the counter-argument is, of course... If there are very few ways in which you could support life, of course, all the life that exists will say, oh, hey, look, it looks like it was built exactly for me. Yeah. Because those will only be the times that have life that can ask those questions. Mm -hmm. So you really don't know either way. I mean, it seems like it really kind of stops there. What do you guys think in your lifetimes? And I, oh, I, I think you wanted to live... 500 years, if I remember correctly? Last? Mm. No. What's your... Thousands? Probably. No, I'd probably live forever if I could. You would try to live Indefinitely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Damn. That totally destroyed my question, because if, if you live the normal human lifespan of 80, 86 years, you know, that's here to 2085 or something like that, what do you guys think, you know, we will witness? What do you guys think will be the next big, you know, inventions? With well, now and then. Well, some recent things. Um, probably have some colonies on Mars by then. Yeah. I expect by then we'll have colonies all over the solar system. Yeah. Some of them just starting out. Mm-hmm. And mu much of it pre-colonized by robots. Yeah. Self-replicating robots. Will we... Um, do you think... Things like racism will ever be eradicated? I don't know. It seems like it'll get better. I mean, it seems like increased communication, increased exposure to people of all kinds yeah. makes that better. Yeah. And that's what the internet, cell phones, VR will do. Yeah. Like, also the... How we see ourselves in terms of our sex. Like, how... like. You know, are we all men? Are we all women? Are we just, like, will that change us as well? Like, how... Yeah, that's, like, already been changing, right? Mm -hmm. Like, people identifying themselves as, you know, does it, there's, if you're anatomically male, then it's, like, cis male or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's other terms. So that that's already, you know, there's a gradient or spectrum being... Yeah, I've heard people argue and, the spectrum... Yeah. That it's not, there's no two, there aren't like two genders and maybe an extra one for in between or switching or something. It's just, there. it's a complex thing mm -hmm. with a lot of different ways of being and, you know, it's like a spectrum or, or a, even more, might be more variables involved. Yeah. You know? yeah. Mm -hmm. And, but with VR, I think you can approximate how people perceive you more closely to how you perceive yourself, maybe. You know, you'd have more control over that. So, yeah. you know, it should it should be a form of self-expression, greater self-expression. Yeah, VR is going to do some weird things to our brains uh, and essentially change how we talk about reality. It might, it, even more importantly, it might even start the conversation in the first place for people who have never even thought about what yeah. is reality. Yeah. Like that, that is probably the most important thing that VR is going to make people wonder. Like that was, they're going to come out of it and they're going to realize that was so good. 
I don't know what to think anymore. <laughs> yeah, that that'd be a really cool like um, hackathon project is to make an experience where the whole point is to make people ask that question. Like a SpaceX or like a Lunar X Prize for a, designing a an interface that is that completely fools the human brain, like a race to who can completely immersive. Yeah, a VR UI X Prize. <laughs> yeah and and then what and then we'll say all right we have the matrix everybody get in <laughs> there, there. Go, yeah <laughs> get in there now <laughs> yeah but hopefully we all know it and it improves everyone's lives which i think is going to happen I'm, I'm like optimistic that's going to happen how can it improve people's lives do you think why does traveling improve people's lives you know you want more experiences better experiences you want to interact with more people, different kinds of people. That's what VR will do, you know? Yeah. And cheaper and faster and more efficiently. You don't have to spend 20% of your time in an airport. Yeah. My uh, my brother always wanted to ride on an airplane. And he just recently got to travel for 24 hours straight on a plane. Was he excited it was going to be that long? And he never wants to get on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so that's a bit long. It's yeah, it sucks. Um but but that is but that is just a snapshot of you know, everyday life for most of people everybody on the planet. Like we we have to go why do you need my physical body if we're just going to interact, you know, without touching each other? Like yeah, and that's actually one of the VR apps I really, really liked is Solar System Explorer. That was good. Yeah. Yeah, and you just fly around, you like zip around the solar system, you look at planets, you know, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. And when it gets to the point where, like, it's, like, photorealistic and you can go down into the planet, you can explore, it's all procedurally generated, I mean, that's going to just be so amazing. Yeah. It'll be insane. It'll be insane. Yeah uh there's so much happening and it, let's see how are we doing on time uh, i think i think we'll start thing bringing things to a close unless you are or around this time um yeah let me think what do you guys think be, so last few questions i guess uh where do you guys think vr has its most formidable opponent like what is the thing that we should probably pay more attention to if we want this thing to succeed? Motion sickness. Yeah. Motion sickness. Yeah. I mean, I've talked to people who will say things like, I've been working in this industry for 20 years and Oculus thinks they've solved this problem, but like they haven't yet because it's super hard and that's why they haven't released yet. And they don't know how hard it really is. And I don't know about, I mean, it, it's obviously a question of how many people have they solved it for? Cause there's going to be like, there's certainly people today. Like I consider myself one. I can use an Oculus Rift all day long. I won't get sick as long as it's not like a roller coaster or something like that, or like flying on the back of a dragon. Like if it's like a normal experience, that's pretty much matching my seated experience. I think Oculus Rift is going to be there for at least 80% of people are I mean, like it really matters what that number is I don't know what percentage of people will be comfortable with that but like I think motion sickness is the biggest barrier and, they, and if you can't get it above a certain amount it will just fail mm -hmm. so I think um, 
there might need to be some more testing with uh, prolonged use of VR. So, I mean, there may be people who just kind of binge and are in it forever, and we don't know how the brain would change um, when that happens and, you know, what the effects would be outside of VR if they're in there. They, I think uh, you mentioned someone was going to be in VR for 28 days for 28 days a, a, you know art project about that yeah that would be something really interesting like okay so you numb yourself of this motion sickness uh reflex that your body has yeah um in VR now outside of VR how does that affect you you know you, you don't have this mechanism that's tied together as well you know what's visually happening and what your ear is telling you mm -hmm. um balance wise so what are the effects i don't know i think all these unanswered questions on maybe long-term effects i don't think it'll be that there's there's nothing too much to worry about but it, it's probably something that opponents will bring up but on the other hand what are the long-term effects of like reading books or watching tv on the brain i think that's like still an unanswered question mm -hmm. and these kinds of transitions have happened many times before and if, if it's sufficiently negative enough, people will stop using it. So the question is that, like, what are the negatives? Could it be that bad? Mm -hmm. Under what conditions? And it seems like it's pretty much benign. I mean, there are some things that could happen. but And the better it gets, the more benign. Like, the more realistic it gets, the more benign it gets. Mm -hmm. So, unless you do weird things. But, I mean, there's never been anything, like, reading books or watching TV as immersive as as what's going to happen it's not here yet but you know complete field of view um you know maybe some you know amazing sound uh tactile feedback and proprioceptive controls and whatnot but but there's probably a big difference on a brain that is not literate and a brain that is literate in reading books right like yeah yeah like structural uh, yeah. difference yeah like definitely difference. definitely so, yeah I don't know if it's more or less change than that, you know, mm -hmm. but it's probably less because we're used to being super visual, full field of view all the time. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's, it's, it's trying to be like we are all the time. It's not trying to make it new. Yeah. Yeah. If you can get there, but yeah, in the, like in the transition to getting it perfect to how we're used to, you know, um, we're not going to have it perfect and there's, yeah, there's yeah. going to be you know, um, motion sickness and, and other types of sickness, maybe, you know, soon you'll, you know, move your arm in in real life and it doesn't react how it was in VR. And you're just like, Oh, this is weird. I, and Reality I have had mo weird. moments where I've looked at something in real life and my brain thought it was virtual yeah. for a second. Yeah. And then like it, like my brain classifies things as real or virtual. And sometimes in real life, it's like, that's not real even though it is, you know, it almost never happens. So I've noticed it once or twice. So I think there are issues like that, but they only get better if the technology gets better. Does it happen more when you're looking through a screen door? We should test that. For <laughs> <laughs> science, gentlemen, for science. That's, that's interesting. That, is it, you know, how big do you think the portal into the human mind, the human brain is through VR? Is it, is it a cat is it the size of a cat door is it a is it a door or is it a full-on gate you know the, the, the possibilities 
of utilizing VR to affect and slash explore our very own brains. I think it's a huge open door. I mean, that's how we sense everything, you know, our eyes, nose. I think vision is like 40% of the real estate of the brain yeah. is dedicated to vision. Wow. Um, and every sense matters, but obviously vision matters a lot. But we'll get to every sense, you know? We yeah. will get to every sense. Smell and touch are the hardest. Yeah. But T sound is going to be right sound. there. Sound's the easiest. Sound, yeah, sound is, sound is right around the corner. Touch, how do you get touch? Do we have to, I think, I think the haptic suit glove is a stepping stone to us somehow hacking our own nervous system. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I think we're going to either have a, a jack. Just, just send like direct it. impulses. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's a big gap in, in haptics between where we can get anytime soon and good, perfect touch everywhere, <laughs> you know? Like the gap to go from where we are to perfect in vision is like pretty small. In audio, it's even smaller. In haptics, it's like super big, like the biggest one. And I feel like that's just a hard problem that may not be worth solving anytime soon for the cost it'll take to solve it. You know, it may not be good enough for 15 years while we have perfect video and audio. I, I'm optimistic that the need for better flesh lights <laughs> uh, and, and this sex toys of that kind will create a demand and put more dollars into the research that requires better haptic feedback. Yeah, yeah. I think we'll get all kinds of really good niche peripherals. You know, but like full body realistic touch is farther from a really good flesh like it. Like that, the technology is a lot harder, probably. Yeah. yeah. But I'm just saying that at least the technology is being focused where it yeah. matters. And like yeah. you were saying, that'll probably happen with <laughs> when you start feeding directly into, you know, the, the, um, the spinal, spinal cord. cord. Yeah. yeah. Sending those direct impulses. That is scary. Brain implants are happening too. I mean, the progress in that lately has been. Are you big. are you guys are you guys the type that you'll be first in line for brain implants, or would you wait? I'd probably wait a little bit. Second or third yeah. in line. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let it come down in price. Let's make sure their heads don't explode or something. <laughs> you know, I'm not. I don't have to be first. What's the allure of a brain implant? Why would you want one in the first place? Back to Black Mirror. <laughs> they were recording everything in this, you know, kind of brain implant um, that interfaced uh, with, you know, different parts of your brain to see what you're seeing and hearing. So, I mean, that would that'd be cool to just be able to rewind and check out what happened earlier in the day. Yeah. Um, more memory. More work. More memory, memory, yeah. More computational power. Maybe with more power, time slows down. Maybe that's how it works. More power. And it would feel the, wow. Yeah, maybe it would feel the same. Or maybe that's like ind an independent variable you can adjust, like make time feel slower or faster. Whoa, yeah. That'd be sweet. That's as good as life extension. That if you can be... speed up your thought process and speed down your perception of time, then, you know, actually, there's someone who spoke a lot about the implications of that, where some people will start hogging all the resources for. Uh, you know, for thinking essentially, um, 
And what you'll end up, what will end up happening is if you think, you know, a billion times faster, a trillion times faster, time ends up being way slower for you. And you could live, you know, a million times as much time, you could live a million hours in the time someone without any implants lives their whole life, you know? Yeah. And it's just like, when that happens, light speed, the light speed limit becomes really important for communication. And so if they're all the way around the world and you're a million, like we light speed limit for us is like, what, like 700 milliseconds or something to send a message around the world. It's something like mm-hmm. that. But for them, if they're, if they're operating a million times slower, you know, to them, it feels like years Yeah. even. Sure. And so what happens is you'll get these uh, centers of computation where everyone will want to be physically close to each other so they can communicate fast enough because light speed communication really, really matters. So you expect like one center of all of the communication in the world, mm-hmm. essentially, or as much of it as possible. Or you might get a bunch of centers and they might end up being kind of like separate planets in a way mm-hmm. for the time it takes information to travel. I like that idea a lot. Thank you for taking me there. That's a that's a fascinating idea. But to get around that, you could just slow down your thought processes while you're interacting with someone else's consciousness and then speed it back up. Yeah, but you'd have to look at your opportunity cost. Yeah, I mean, there. yeah. <laughs> Is it going to be worth it to Jane. interface with people who... Sometimes like, you just have to slow down. Don't lift a finger in 100,000 years. <laughs> they might as well not exist, you know? What? So what is... Is that even possible? Would that even happen? Like, could we, could we engineer a drug that, or 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 an electromagnetic treatment that could slow down the part of the brain that perceives time and up everything else? Well, I don't know the the limiting factor in you know thoughts per second, but I'm guessing it might have to do with the. Um, uh, you know, when a neuron uh, sends a message or is activated, there's like a time for it to kind of go back down to normal. So that must be part of it. Mm. So it might have to yeah, be I think like it's an on the art- order of tens of milliseconds. Tens of milliseconds. Like so the, it might have to be long. some kind of external brain implant, which is doing all this quick processing, and then yeah. there'll be an input output of your in your brain. Oh. Or I mean, that's all it begin, and then eventually it'll all be Just computers. Part- yeah. Oh yeah. Holy crap. Does that is that something like if if we're able to do that, if we're able to augment the brain, I've been under the impression or I have the suspicion that if that happens, it's only going to be available for the rich, and the rich are going to use it for their purposes. And I'm I know that you know if rich people are a spectrum of people, there's going to be shitty people among them that aren't going to use augmenting augmented brains for good. So, but, but what you guys said makes me feel like that ability to have an augmented brain will transcend you past your biases and prejudices and shitty aspects, or, or will it exacerbate them? Will they magnify them? What do you what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think the rich people will get access first, and the people who get access first will be will have 
millions or billions of times more thinking available to them, which used to be an equalizer, you know, used to be we each only had so many man hours, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, so you can only get, you can only take as much from everyone else as you have time to as a person, you know, maybe that'll go away. And the first very rich, very capable technologists will just use it to become million. I mean, maybe they will be the first AIs that take over the planet, you know, and exclude everyone else. Uh, I don't know. It seems like it could be bad. Like it could be a, a crappy situation for most people. Yeah, I don't know about it exacerbating the um, the assholes right now. <laughs> it, I guess house personality controlled. If they have more thought power, does that necessarily make it so it'll change their personality and their views? I don't know. Maybe, Maybe. we'll have chips to improve people's personalities. Yeah, make but, them more peaceful and, you know. Or maybe they'll get the upper hand and they'll make the asshole chips. Yeah. And make everyone an asshole. <laughs> or or they'll or maybe they're yes, they're 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 an asshole, but they but they want everybody they make a chip that makes everybody submissive, submit to them. Yeah. yeah. Like that could happen. That would suck if you get like the Kim Jong un. They could make us enjoy it while we're <laughs> subjugated, you know. Well, maybe that'd be great. They could, maybe that'd yeah. be better than today. Like, maybe yeah, that'd be better. We're working for the Overlord Dave. Yeah, and it's great. I'm having and, an amazing time. Yeah. Wow, I just like love cooking and food. I have a quota yeah. of six orgasms per day that he transmits directly to my brain. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Every time I see his face, just <laughs> Dave the Creator. Yeah. yeah. I orgasm. Um, that is okay. Let's let's go. Let's get a little philosophical here. Would you want that? Would you want? Would you? Let's say I. Let's say I I team up with the AI and I team up with it and I come up with this idea. Essentially, it's the fucking Matrix. And I have to go up to you guys and say and, and I pitch it to you. I can get rid of war, famine, misery. I can get rid of you know you you name it. All these bad things uh, about our current condition. Um, if you follow me, or or not. But but you you'd have to submit like the fuck which one would you choose would you would you go with like freedom and this true randomness or would you go with an AI constructed reality? I mean I'd have to see what what I'd be getting switched to consciousness wise um, if it's you know com- submitting to just. I don't know. This is another thing that's really related to Dollhouse. <laughs> okay. But, um, no, I probably wouldn't. I probably wouldn't. If, if it was an unknown thing, like, I don't know what I'm agreeing to, but you can solve all these problems, then no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> crazy guy. <laughs> too, too, too good to be true. I'm probably going to get messed and fucked over. Yeah, I don't know. But I'm I, like, as in, like, the American answer would, of course, be no. <laughs> right like like freedom and self like autonomy and freedom kind of matters above all in our collective psyche mm-hmm. and but i mean if you if it was about like um like if you took a more pragmatic approach and it was just like well how much suffering would you get rid of doing it and how much more suffering would you introduce doing it if you got rid of more suffering then maybe it's the better solution and so if it's about oh. 
you know, increasing the, you know, it might, the selfish choice is to say no, because maybe it's worse for you, but then like the choice for the benefit of all of humankind may still be yet like, yes, yeah. but this is better. But then you'd still have to like factor in, well, can we do better than that if we say no? Yeah. And the answer is almost certainly yes. We could do better than that if we wait long enough, figure out the right way to do it and have freedom and autonomy and get rid of all that stuff. But that's the, that's the, that's the home run. And that's, that's, that's expecting that we humanity are going to achieve the home run. That's like, that's the home run idea that we're going to be able to transcend past our nonsense and the things that make us reptilian. Um, right. But like, but in reality, it's like going for the bunt versus going for the home run. Yeah. Just gotta go for the home run. Yeah. You know? I yeah. I'm I, I'm gonna keep playing the devil's advocate because I'm trying to put you guys inside the matrix. Um. So, yeah, right. I would say that, but the AI would come out and say, "Well, let me compute this for you guys," and it would come out with numbers and show you uh, irrefutably that if you go your own route, there's a higher chance that you're gonna blow each each other up, monkeys. Mm. Um, but if you come along with the AI, the AI says, I will protect you. I will, I, I will take you along with me to the ends of the universe. Do you go with the AI or do you, I guess you'd have to know, you could never be certain the AI is not lying to you. Yeah. <laughs> so, so like you have to factor that into it. Yeah. But, but maybe you say yes. Maybe so, maybe so, yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah. If the, if some entity really wanted to do that, it you know, it starts with some brain implant. You know, it's a way to connect to people. It's the Facebook implant, and then it interfaces with your brain, has complete control, but they only use it initially to connect to people, mm-hmm. social network, and then. You know, it slowly turns into something where it controls, you know, more aspects of your life, changes your personality, and it'd probably be pretty subtle. I think it could work. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I mean, I think it's, I mean, if you see what certain aspects of social media already do to us, mm-hmm. like the, the Facebook experiment where they were experimenting on people by messing mm-hmm. around with their friends' social media feeds, like you saw, like, they would say, uh, for a week... All it would show you would be your your friends that were were unhappy, and they would try to measure like you know out of a set of group like who were who were getting unhappy. So they're they're messing with your emotions, um, experimenting on you. I feel like that's like valid research that needs to be done, but it should have been consented to, you know. And I'm glad were, you you said that. Like it's, yeah. there has to be consent. Yeah, you can't. I just, mean that's that's where the I think it is an interesting thing like. It's certainly like we as a as a community we want to know the results of that, which is part of why we consent. Like that kind of research should be done. People can opt, even opt out, maybe. Yeah, something like a checkbox where it's <laughs> At like least I opt, opt out. out. Yeah, you know. yeah, you know. Yeah, but like the fact that they weren't saying anything, although just the fact that you do that will change the results. Also, the well, if mm. not if you make it opt out. Yeah, so it's not. on by default, maybe no not. one checks their settings. Yeah. That's maybe. true. <laughs> that, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I think they went about it badly. And they're the kind of people who shouldn't, who have no excuse for making that kind of mistake. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's just, it's a weird, weird 
uh, sort of era we're walking into. I feel like at this point in history that there's so much going on. There's even it's more unpredictable than ever. You know, trying to say what 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 the hell is going to happen. No one would have ever predicted that gas was going to go down the way it has. But that makes me believe that it's just as likely to be volatile next year. I don't know that. You know, like I I would have never seen prices go this low. I I am now prepared to see prices go insanely high. You know, sometime. they could go even lower with gas. Yeah. One theory I've heard there is that as solar becomes more cost effective than gas, and that trend is proven, like then people who have gas will know solar is only going to get cheaper. And they're going to try to. And they're never going to get better prices than today, and they're going to flood the market with gas, which will make the price crash yeah. even further. Yeah. And we're almost at the point. Like I think it's already past coal, solar efficiency is already past coal, so it's not we're not so many years away from it being more efficient than gas. Yeah. At which point the gas markets crash, and there's a ton of cheap gas on the market, which means we're gonna burn it off and make the greenhouse effect worse. Yeah. You know, and that's probably almost certainly gonna have like I I don't I don't know about the economics as much, but if they burned it all off, it would make things worse faster. In the well, they saw there's a new there's a new paper that came out on carbon and like at at what point does carbon dioxide re really reach its maximum heat potential? And it used to it the 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 common wisdom it used to be what forty to fifty years before you know it carbon you had to worry about carbon you know accumulating in the atmosphere and it's actually ten years so the boom of carbon dioxide that we're releasing right now because of gas prices, we're going to feel them in 10 years. Uh, if we do. No, we are. We already are feeling all the effects of climate change. Yeah. Yeah. Especially here in California. Yeah. With it's the like worst very, drought in the last striking, 500 years. Yeah. And the last couple of years have been the hottest years on record globally. Mm -hmm. You know, everything's ice melt from the, uh, Greenland is like way more than anyone expected, which will just make it go faster in the future. So. Yeah, the Siberian permafrost permafrost is melting at an insane rate, and then no one's talking about. Uh, yeah, releasing extra methane, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. In, I mean, not to be doom and gloom, because this this podcast is about giving you hope for the future. Let's solve global warming right now, fellas. Let's let's solve it. Let's. How do we? How do we? How do we? How can humans? adapt to climate change and how can we you know make the earth hospitable for most life go into material science and chemical engineering and make really good co2 scrubbers co2 scrubbers there are a couple startups working on it uh, basically just removing co2 from the atmosphere and storing it mm -hmm. in probably like a solid form <laughs> That's probably the lowest risk. So it's that plus we need more energy to run them. I was thinking about genetically engineering a tree that just absorbs carbon dioxide ten times faster, grows ten times faster. Yeah, something like that could happen too. You want whatever you do, because you'd probably make a bunch of those trees, but you, you want something that you can control and turn off, I feel like. Mm, you know, but you could put kill switches in it. Yeah, put some kill switches in it, make some kind of synthetic maybe bacteria that you could release yeah. um, into the oceans or something. Yeah. I know a lot, the way they're, they're thinking about a lot of these problems in synthetic biology is by um, 
basically making a nutrient that doesn't exist in the wild and having the organism putting a gene in that makes it so the organism requires that nutrient or it dies mm -hmm. and so it can only grow where that nutrient exists and as, as a way of controlling where you know not releasing into the wild um, and not like proliferating uncontrollably and you'd pick something that was like cheap and readily readily made but like doesn't appear in the wild so will will it will will climate change make us care more about earth or do you think it'll have the opposite effect like will people will people start either looking for ways to leave it leave the planet or looking for ways to you know become more you know go underground you know run away from nature do you think we're going to embrace it? Um, yeah, I think we can already see the movement in cities, like such as San Francisco. I mean, there's, I barely see any trash cans in any restaurants I go to. You know, there's not very much waste. Um, and I think that's catching on. I think like Austin is doing the same thing and that's spreading it. People, it, people, I wouldn't think that would that would be doing that are are doing that that I, that I know personally. Mm. So I th I think it'll it'll catch on. That's that's good. I mean, I mean one of the things that I think could help this immensely is education, like figuring mm. out ways to you know disperse valuable information to people in ways that are better digestible, like that are more digestible, and that's where VR would come in to show people. Uh, recreations of what a world would look like, you know, in the year 2070 af mm -hmm. after, uh, you know, some of the worst effects that climate change could bring about. Um, or yeah, that's why I'm excited to see what Hollywood does with VR. I mean, I think there are going to be some interesting stories that can be told, especially. Mm -hmm. like I'm waiting. I, I definitely want to see a Chris Nolan VR movie. Oh man, that'd be that'd be amazing. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it would be insane. Interstellar 2 in VR. <laughs> yeah. and I know, I, I heard rumors that he's going to direct a VR movie. Really? Sweet. Yeah. Maybe using, I, I don't know, I don't remember which camera, but. That'd be insane. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, Chris Nolan is one of my favorite directors out there. Yeah. 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 I mean. Very talented. Inception, I watched it like three times on IMAX. Every, like, Each over. time did you watch it 20 times? slower speed uh each time i was just trying to figure out whether he was awake or not like <laughs> that whole question yeah <laughs> and what do you think spoiler now? alert i think he i think he was i think he was i think he was awake at the end i think he woke up I'm, but i'm being optimistic i think a part of me says that no that whole fucking movie was a dream but i think I think it's all a dream. You think it's all a dream? Was there an, an, any like actual answer? Or is it just completely open? I think there are clues. There's clues. There's yeah. clues. But is so it like more ambiguous the, or? Well, I could give you the 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 short the short answer to the, the theory behind. Yeah, inception. let's do that. Let's do that. Okay, it's basically you have to look at the totems, right? Mm -hmm. So everyone has a totem, and they work by the property. That there's some secret information about it that only that person knows, mm -hmm. right? And if you look at um, Leonardo DiCaprio's totem, it's his wife's mm -hmm. old totem, mm -hmm. right? 
And the way it works is that it keeps spinning if you're in a dream. But the thing is, everyone knows that's the way it works. It works the opposite of every other totem. In every other totem, there's something different about it. There's something about it in the real world that is different than the normal thing. But the top, in the real world, it's, it's in the dream, it can act as it does in the real world, it falls over. Everyone knows that's how it's supposed to act. Mm -hmm. So if you're in someone else's dream, it'll fall over. So all it tells you is whether or not he believes he's dreaming. When it spins a long time, he thinks he's dreaming. And when it doesn't spin, when it falls over, he doesn't think he's dreaming. He's in, he thinks he's in the real world. But he could be in someone else's dream? He so could be in his dream. His dream. He could be in someone else's dream. <clears throat> it doesn't tell you that at all. Oh. Yeah. So his so, phone like, is backwards, where yeah. other people's phone, like the poker chip or something. Right. It's misspelling. misspelling yeah. And so at the end, when it wobbles... All that's telling you is he doesn't know if he's in a dream or not. Really? If it keeps spinning, he thinks he's in a dream. If it doesn't keep spinning, he thinks it's over and it's in the real world. But I think there's lots of all lots of little clues he's in a dream the whole time. I I have uh, my so my theory as to why I think he's awake is because when you see his daughters at the end, you see that they are grown up. And if, it were, if that were a dream, then I would think, my, my assumption is that they, they would have never, he would see them just like how he would remember them. So because he saw his daughters and that's last scene, that, that are, they look three years older, then yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, say three years have actually passed. There's no way. I mean, I, I mean, there is maybe there is a way for the brain to make an interpretation or an a guesstimation. Maybe the dream, the dreams are stories that the brain tells of kind of nonsense mm. data coming in, right? And stories have beginnings, middles, and ends, you know. And in dreams, even you'll have multiple stories throughout a night. Yeah. Each story will have a beginning, a middle, and an end. It'll be over, and then another story starts, right? And so I think that's. I think that's what they meant at the end. So he was in a dream after all. What do you... I mean, that that movie was particularly fascinating to me because you really started wondering more about, like, what is inside of me that makes me me? Like, <laughs> like you find... like It's such a... It's one of those questions, like, you, you think you, you get past it after you're 7 years old, 12 years old. But I never really did. <laughs> like, yeah. I, you, you, I, you, I remember once sitting next to my dad. I was like 12 years old, and I was looking at my hands, and I was just looking back and forth at them, and I had this thought, like, dude, what is me? What is this? What am I? And then my dad was just brushing me off, like, don't think about it. It's whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There are the people who don't know, and then there are the people who don't think about it. I think those are like no one can know right now. So. <laughs> You can either not know or just like try not to think about it. Where do you wanna? What camp are you in? I don't know. Yeah, I think about I mean, it. It's easy to spend a lot of time thinking about it, and it's fun to spend a lot of time thinking about it. But I don't think about it all the time. <laughs> yeah, because there's no way of knowing. Yeah. There's no way. Yeah. Yeah. And there will never be a way I mean, of knowing. The, the simulation conversation we had could keep going. You know, it could keep going. It could just be a simulation. That's what we are, but. 
but yeah but even that doesn't really answer what yeah we are. <laughs> yeah <laughs> just means we're in a simulation but yeah. then why are we still experiencing shit like at a very low level, why does experience exist or consciousness exist? Yeah, like, that, yeah. I don't know. I hope we answer it, but I haven't. Where do you think the answer lies? Do you think it's 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 in finding out the Higgs? We already found the Higgs boson. Uh, did we? I think we did. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Is it in finding out what dark matter is? Dark energy is? Is it in creating AI? What what is? Is it in <laughs> interlacing all of our collective consciousness while we're all inside this metaverse you know will we find those answers in there yeah, i don't know where it'll come from if there's an answer i mean it might be from pure philosophy mm -hmm. it might be from some measurable fact that we it's figure studying out studying the brain or something yeah it could be yeah it may be totally unanswerable yeah yeah is that is that something that scares you guys like does that worry about you like like this is, I guess, it, I guess it's definitely something I think about too much because it's like, um, what the hell is the point? <laughs> what are we doing here? Like, what do you yeah, think? sometimes yeah. I start thinking about that, but then I start coding. Yeah, about it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Just have a good experience. All we yeah. know is we get to experience stuff, so yeah. yeah, try to make that good for us and others, exactly. Just in case they experience stuff too. Yeah, because yeah, it could be all made for you. Because <laughs> if they don't, if they don't, it's no harm. That's true. Making it good for them. It's true. And if they do, it's like it matters a lot. So. How likely is it that there's alien life in this universe? Like close to 100%? Yeah, very close to 100%. How likely is it that we might make contact? Close to 0% probably. Ever, ever yeah. in the existence of humanity, we'll, we'll never at all make contact with anything. Probably not. We're limited by the speed of light. I think we might detect the presence of other civilizations. I doubt we'll communicate two ways. Civil I really? You would think civilization? I would think we would detect the presence of something living, period. But I don't... I or, like, do you mean, like, life on Mars? Because there's probably... I'm thinking that there's probably... Oh, you mean, like, intelligent... Mars. But yeah. intelligent life... Did you see the new... Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, there's what, some new evidence that there's life on Mars out of a meteorite that has organics in it. Oh. Uh. And they ruled out the other explan like the non or like the non life genesis of these organic compounds, and so they're not of course a hundred percent sure, but it's like a pretty clear signal that there was some life that made those compounds in a wet environment on Mars, and not so long ago. I yeah. think we're not talking like four billion years ago. And it seems like there's still some wet environments. Yeah, yeah. So there's running water on the surface sometimes. Yeah, yeah. There's there's life. There's something yeah. there. There's gotta be something. I can't. I, I, there's because life is so resilient and pesky. It's everywhere. You know. It wants yeah. To, and there's every reason to believe there should be some life there. And it's not if it's not on Mars. It's in Europa. It's underneath yeah. the oceans of Europa somewhere. Yeah. Because there. The, yeah, that, Europa is really interesting. Yeah. yeah. There's what? There's four times more sea on Europa than there is on Earth or something? More water? Uh, yeah, more liquid water, liquid right? Liquid water, yeah. I think so. That's crazy. And how does. It's heated by the tidal, like the compression, the gravitational compression? Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, <sighs> the, 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 it's liquid water because there's heat generated by the push and pull of. Um, what is it, Jupiter? Yeah, yeah, Jupiter's yeah. gravity, right? So. Yeah, that's crazy. crazy. It's like, 
and just like we find huge colonies on undersea vents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if there's colonies just like that over there. Why why is it I feel like we have the technology. Why can't we just send a robot there with a camera? On? Their mission just got some funding. Oh yeah? Like, yeah, they want to send us up. That just... melt through the ice and then yes, send out a sub. Yeah, so there'll be a a rover on the surface that'll have it, like just have a heating plate that'll melt straight down nice. and it'll tether the the sub, I guess. Nice. That is that'll be amazing when we do that. Whenever I get start getting like too dark or do too gloomy, I, I look at the uh, the our space subreddit because there's I didn't know that in a, next week there's gonna be four launches like yeah rockets going into space there in a week there's four and that feels like it's only gonna become exponential as time goes by. Yeah, and there's two different groups working on rockets that can take people to Mars. Yeah. That's so NASA's working on it and SpaceX is working on it. And um I li- I I like this prospect of space. I I hope we get to uh you know take a carnival cruise ship to Mars. <laughs> <laughs> get really good data for our VR simulations while we'll be walking around in. Hells yeah. Is there is is there a potential you know do you think that the brain itself will, you know, because the brain is malleable, do you think the brain itself will start changing its, its wiring them as people grow up with virtual reality? The internet probably changed the wiring in our brains, gentlemen. And I, and I, and I wonder, like, is, is VR going to do that for the next generation? Who's just going to grow up and... It's always been here. Yeah, I feel like internet's already um, kind of changed the brains of a lot of young people. I feel like maybe the reason why um, ADD is so widespread and diagnosed um, is because of internet-induced ADD. Like, on Reddit, you see the headline, you know, that's pretty much all you need, and if you want to read more, you click on it, and you can read the first few sentences, it's just a little blurb, and go back. You, information is just there for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, with virtual reality, that, we still need to figure out what's going to happen with that, how it's going to change the brain. But once we have it perfected, then, and, and you know, the input that we're getting from virtual reality is, uh, you know, symmetric to how we would get it um, normally, then, then hopefully there won't be too many changes to the brain. And when it gets to that point of like, and the point of it becoming the total perfection that is is for it to, you know, for it to be better than what we already have, right? Mm-hmm. So more control. Okay. Yeah. And with more control comes some increased risk of making even worse, like. If we can make better experiences, we could probably make even worse experiences, right? We can make horror games so good, people get PTSD every single time they play it. Or heart attacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> yeah. there's there's power there, too. <laughs> but on average, we'll use it to make people's lives better. And I think in technology, the history of technology shows that on average, it makes everyone's lives better. Yeah. I think so, too. But I wonder how profound it'll be... That- and and I guess I should rephrase it better. You know, when I said that VR is going to make things better than what we already have, it, it'll, the, the speed of information consumption 
will be catapulted you know because now I don't have to because now I have to interact with the machine with a keyboard and mouse but if VR gets to the point to the heights that we envision it'll be neural interfacing right mm -hmm. and that that will be insane navigating the internet through with your mind how that is that's that's Just, are we designed it's like is the brain can we will we be able to hold on to who we are i think we will i mean no matter how the interface works our brains are designed to understand reality in a certain way and we're going to translate the underlying reality the virtual reality into those terms so it means objects and people and three dimensions and walking around in rooms and you know interfaces you'd see in the real world mm -hmm. but optimized for what could be perfect if you could just control everything mm -hmm. you know i think it it will be different but all of the visual metaphors will not be so different like it'll be wild like a carnival or whatever people can choose to look however they want to look or like movies but it's still people we're only equipped to understand, at least in the beginning, I mean, at least for the foreseeable future, yeah. we're only equipped to understand things in a certain way. Our brain's used to understanding things in a certain way, so we're going to translate it into that way, mm -hmm. which will look sometimes like the real world and sometimes like just the key features of a real world. Yeah. We could go on forever, but I need to leave you guys to go out and save the world. Um, how can people stay in touch how can people follow what you're doing? Do you guys have any announcements, anything going on uh, coming up? Or... Yeah, again, um, if people, if you have a lazy eye, amblyopia or strabismus, um, we're looking for people in the Bay Area who might want to participate in a study over the next couple of months. Um, you can contact us at diplopiagame.com. There's a little contact button which goes straight to us. And your Twitter, do you have Twitter or are you on any social media? Um, James is James Blaha yep. at, at James, James Blaha, Blaha and I'm at Manishiwa um, you should probably make one for Diplopia yeah um, I've just been using mine <laughs> <laughs> well yeah they both work I and I will be posting that uh, information in the show notes once again James Blaha and Manish Kupta you guys are always and have been and always will be true scholars and gentlemen of virtual reality. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, this is this is awesome. Thank you for the places you took me, and I, I can't wait for the next time around. Yeah, thanks for uh, talking to us again. Yeah, right back at you.